Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 18 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with Carolyn Keating of Wholesale for Creatives, all about getting started with wholesale. Carolyn has a 10-year background in wholesaling for other businesses, and she has translated that into helping small creative businesses get into retail stores and get their products seen by bigger businesses. Today, we're covering a lot of information that is mostly going to be aimed at product-based businesses, but there's some great tips for cultivating relationships and figuring out some pricing information if you are a service-based business. Some of the topics we cover are what wholesale is and why it's beneficial, how you can price your products for profitability in the wholesale space, and how you can connect with people in stores and build relationships so that you can be seen and stay top of mind whenever they are placing orders. We also cover a little bit about the different ways that customer service changes when you are working in the wholesale space. Carolyn Keating is the owner of Wholesale for Creatives, a resource for product-based businesses looking to develop their wholesale and retail strategy. Prior to launching her business, Carolyn spent a decade in sales with a New York City-based women's accessory company where she developed and sold products to retail chains throughout the country. Her mission is to educate small businesses about the industry's best practices so they can successfully compete in the marketplace and avoid making costly mistakes. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you are inspired to think of different ways to get your business seen and figure out exactly what you need to do behind the scenes to get to those big goals. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic, but before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? So I originally grew up 20 miles north of New York City, Um, and my dream, even as a child, was to work within the fashion industry, and I went away to college, came home, and started living the, like, faux Carrie Bradshaw life. It was so not as glamorous as she made it out to be, (laughs) but... I was doing the commuting and working at fashion companies. And then I transitioned from a menswear company to a women's accessories company. And that's where I spent just about 10 years of my career selling and working for them, selling our products to stores big and small throughout the country. Now I live in upstate New York in Saratoga Springs. So I'm about 30 miles north of Albany um, with my husband and my handsome dog. Um, we moved about five years ago after my husband got a job transfer. So it was the first time that I was ever out of my element. And it's really what catapulted me into launching Wholesale for Creatives. Awesome. So I know a lot of our listeners are um, service-based businesses, but we also got a lot of product-based businesses. So this topic is going to be really useful for them. Um, 
but can you explain what wholesale is and why a product-based business might be interested in it? Yeah, so wholesale is essentially when you as a product-based business owner um, work on special pricing so you can sell to a retail buyer who may own one store, may own two stores. It could be a buyer for one of the national retail retail chains. Um, and you sell your product to them and now they are carrying what you make on the shelf in their store and you're reaching all these new customers that might not have found you otherwise, whether you're living on Etsy or selling through your own store, because it's just expanded your reach so much more. Um, and I love it because it's a totally different take on business. You know, selling direct to customer is awesome. I love the one-on-one -on -one and the, the interaction and the customer service and you get so much feedback. But when you go into the store and see your product on the shelf, there is no better feeling and that validation of like, I made it and people love my product. It's just so cool to see it sitting there. And it's even more exciting when a retail store or buyer reaches back out to you and is like, hey, I know I ordered 12 mugs from you, but I sold them all already and I need more. And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing because you're just making money now without having to redesign something new and all the process that goes into creation. It's just this awesome way to scale your business. Um, when you own a product-based business. Awesome. And I feel like a lot of stores that we've seen lately have been going more towards, you know, reaching out to these smaller businesses and getting their products in the stores. Rather, like at Target, there are these smaller businesses you see featured instead of it always being the Target brand things that are available. Yeah. Now has got to be one of the best times to be a to own a creative business, to be a maker, to be putting products out there. Because just like you said, there are all these big stores now that are looking to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And when everybody's doing more of the same, that's not super exciting. So let's just take Target and Walmart and say they are both selling mugs. You know, for some people, a mug is a mug and they just want to drink their coffee out of it. They could care <laughs> less about is it pretty? Does it have something cool written on it? So how these businesses are differentiating themselves, the targets of the world are now partnering with these small independent makers and they're getting this product that nobody else has. And it's, it's building the credibility of the small maker. I mean, think of like sugar paper, right? I mean, they were great to begin with. They landed a deal in target and they blew up. So yeah. it's just on the one hand, the business, the big retailer can do so much for a small business is like street cred. Um, and then that small business has this whole new platform of exposure. That's going to bring pe new people to their website and start buying from them personally and not always going to target or to some of these other stores. It's right. amazing. And all of these businesses are trying to be like, Hey, you know, retail and you keep hearing about how retail and wholesale and, stores are closing and the malls and everything. And one of the reasons that another reason that these stores are going to small makers, again, it's really just to get something new and different that no one else has. So people still continue to shop with them. Right. And it sounds like if you are offering your products wholesale to certain places, you can also still 
create and sell through your own platforms? A hundred percent. Depending on who you're selling to, the volume, you know, sometimes you can even do special development for a store. So your brand could be in a store and it's totally different from what's on your website. Um, as long as the numbers line up and they're not say going to target and seeing your mug for say $5 and then they come to your website and, uh, that same mug is like $20. Then that's the only time you kind of start to run into a couple of issues. But just because you wholesale does not mean that you have to close down your Etsy shop or your personal website by any means. If anything, you'll get more traffic because people are seeing you out there and they're like, oh, I love this. What else does she make? Right. Good to know. So you mentioned the pricing a little bit, but how can we start to think about pricing our products for profit in a wholesale space um, in a way that's going to benefit our like our own business, our own platforms as well. Yeah. So pricing is probably the biggest challenge that product-based businesses have when they are thinking about going into the wholesale route, because all of a sudden you're taking this product and say you're selling it for $10 on your website. A lot of businesses will go about keystoning which is essentially taking that retail and cutting it in half. So they're saying, oh, hey, you sell this for $10. Well, you need to sell it to me for five. Okay. Because I'm going to turn around and now also sell it for $10 and they need to make money. So that's where they, they, you know, build their profits in. So as a maker, you're looking at that number and you're saying, all right, they need it for $5. How much does it really cost me to make? And this is time, this is materials, it's shipping, whether it's the boxes or bubble wrap, it's all these little things that really add up quickly. So I always love using this, um, they call it like the cost times two method, um, which if you Google like how to price my wholesale products, that's what will come up the most often. Mm -hmm. I always recommend just use it as a starting point because a retailer or a buyer's probably already scoped you out online and sees what you're retailing at. So they're going to have some kind of number in their head and do a lot of market research, go out to these other stores, learn about what your competition's doing. See, Hey, you know, maybe I'm doing this awesome notepad and they're doing this notepad, but mine is two times the size and it has double the pages. And I've also got foil stamping on the cover. And this one is just really thin. It's a lot smaller. There's like no bells and whistles. And just learn the marketplace because you're going to see, you know, if you go to like the TJ Maxx's, they're really competitive on price. Um, But you go to a a boutique in town, there might have something that's going to be higher priced. So learning as much as you can about the marketplace and then deciding in the scope of everything where you want to live is probably the best way to tackle it because. One of the ways, one, okay. So one of the, the ways that I see people trying to price their products, that's probably the worst idea is what I like to call crowdsourcing. So that's when we go into the Facebook groups and we're like, Hey, I need to price this. What do you think it should be? Right. And all of a sudden now you're getting bombarded with all these different answers. Some of them, you're going to feel awesome. You're like, Oh, Hey, someone would pay me 20 bucks for that. That's made way more than I was thinking. Other times you're going to be like, wait, they want me to sell it for a dollar. 
I don't understand. And then you'll feel kind of like crappy about yourself. Right. Cause you're like, right. well, so, we're so far apart. I don't understand why they think, is it my design? Is it my style? What don't they love that they're only giving me this value that's so low. And the biggest problem with crowdsourcing is you don't know who these people are. So you're probably not talking to your ideal customer and yep you know, speaking to your ideal customer and getting to know them inside and out, that's where you're going to get some of the best information. But even doing that, everybody likes a good deal. So if I see something that's I love and someone's asking me for a price and I'm like, well, I'm totally going to buy that. I wonder if I can get her to do it like lower so I can save some money. <laughs> so you got to like, it's a very like, take everything with a grain of salt, but just immerse yourself, like shop stores, pick stuff up make notes, take pictures on your phone and compare stuff. And sometimes it's very apples to apples. Sometimes it's like apple to banana and they're not even close, but you can still pull different pieces and you'll organically start feeling a number that feels right. And then you'll plug that number in your, and see how it works with your costs and everything else. And your idea of like your retail pricing and you'll almost be like working backwards to formulate your own plan. Um, because sometimes when you just do that, like cost times two method that everybody talks about, you will lose money off the bat because there are always going to be things that pop up. So my best advice when it comes to pricing, do a ton of research, start with a number, work backwards from that retail to set your wholesale price. So whatever that retail is, slash it in half, then take that price and work it back to your numbers and see how much profit you're going to be making. Does it make sense at this price? Is there a number that would be better? And then kind of make the running adjustments from there. Right. And it sounds like that's where you have to know how much it costs you in dollars and in time to actually make your product because you know whatever you're making it's not just the cost of getting that thing produced it's also a lot of your time to produce it and to sh package it up and ship it out and all of that that you have to include in there as well or you're gonna miss some of those things and actually not end up making the profit you thought you might yeah you know the more you can kind of pad yourself on the back end the better off you're going to be. Cause like you said, things inevitably just, they just accidentally fall through, whether it's, you know, string or the packaging or the postage or all those little things. You'd be like, Oh my God, I totally forgot to include this in my price. Or yeah, I think I'm ready to start working with a sales rep, but Oh, I have to pay them. But Oh, I don't have enough built into my pricing to actually pay them. And like me still make money. Right. There's always going to be something you might need to rent a small like storage unit to keep your, your inventory. There's always going to be something that's going to be popping up. So the more <laughs> that you can kind of pad yourself and give yourself a little wiggle room versus adding up everything. And you're like, all right, it, it's, my costs are at four ninety eight. I am totally good to sell this for $5. Um, you'll quickly end up on the losing side of that equation. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that happens even in life. You're always having to run to the store for one something you forgot. All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so if if um, a small business is interested in getting into wholesale and getting into a store, how do they start making those connections that can get them into those stores? How do they 
um, connect with the right people or reach out to somebody who can help them with that? So when it comes to reaching out to stores, um, this is probably the second thing I hear about the most because (laughs) it's scary. You're putting yourself out there and there's this huge risk of rejection. And it's like, well, why would they even answer my email or phone call? They have no idea who I am. What if I show them something and they hate it? You know, there are all these what ifs. And it's like, how do I establish this relationship? It's like dating, like cold, uh, like you're cold calling someone that you've never met and you're trying to make them fall (laughs) in love with you, basically. And it's intimidating, but it really doesn't have to be. And the best way to get started is to, you know, look at your dream store list or make a dream store list. Who are the people that if they were going to automatically say yes to you today and you knew it was a guaranteed yes, who would you reach out to? And that doesn't have to necessarily be like the paper sources of the world or the targets, because obviously it takes a little while to build to that point. They should totally be on your list, though, because I'm all about vision and going big or going home. Um, But maybe there's someone that's a little smaller. Maybe there's even a boutique in town that you're like, you know, I shot there a lot and I could totally see my cards included in her assortment. So use the, the fact that this person in the store is local and cultivate that relationship. And, you know, stores love to do business with people that love them. You know, if they feel like they're just another canned email and you send the like, dear sir, madam, or to who it may concern, or it's very cold, you're not going to get a response. But when you take the time to just do your homework, research, get a name, like always address a buyer, it, as much as you can, because sending it the like blank route is going to send you straight to spam, <laughs> like yeah. nine times out of 10, but do your research. And in this email include, you know, like show them how you're a fan or a friend of the store and say, you, you know, I'm, I, every time I'm in town, I pop into your store. I'm so in love with, and then talk about something you saw recently, or I've been a fan of such and such a long time. and you know, kind of go that route, comment on Instagram, follow them on social media, just be visible and be there. And, you know, sometimes it clicks, but other times just hearing the fact that like, oh, you're not just trying to sell me and like check my name off your long list. You're actually invested in my business. And then talk to them about why you think your product is a good fit. Because that speaks to you taking the time to learn about their customers. Oh, I see that you have a ton of pineapples on your floor for summer. And I actually just released this line of pineapple prints. Is this something that you sell year round or is it just focused to the summer months? And just start a conversation and coming from a place of I'm your friend and I just want to support you and watch your business grow. Is it going to get you so much further than the, Hey, buy my stuff. Right. (laughs) That's the end of the conversation. It really doesn't have to be scary. And there are going to be people that are going to say no. There are going to be people that totally ignore you. And you're like, I've sent a couple emails. Like, what's going on? (laughs) Why isn't anybody getting back to me? The crickets are chirping. It doesn't feel good. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, while your product might not be the best fit for everybody, everybody's not going to be the best fit for you either. So almost use it as a way to like weed out the like, all right, this isn't the best option right now. Let me move on to something else and I'll table it. Right. 
and just keep, just keep going out and putting yourself out there and it will happen. It just takes a little bit of getting used to and being okay with people either saying no or just not answering you at all. (laughs) Yeah. This sounds a lot like the advice that people give when you're trying to pitch guest posting on somebody's blog or, you know, getting them to come over and do an interview for a show. It's all about building the relationship and not just saying, hey, I want to do this because it will help my business. Right. As soon as they look at you and just see like, oh, you just want my money. (laughs) You're already at kind of approaching this relationship from a bad on a bad foot. You know, it's how can what I'm doing contribute to your bottom line? And whether you've had sales history and you're talking about you're meeting with them and they're like, listen, you know, they're loving stuff and you can give them guidance and say, these are the top five items that I sell day in and day out. If you write anything, you should totally try these because they're like pretty much guaranteed sellers based on what I know. You know, people appreciate that. And a lot of times, yeah, it's just like you would pitch a blog or podcast or anything else. Like it can't be all about you because the second it becomes the me, me, me show, that's when everybody starts tuning out. Right. Yeah. So can you give us just a brief outline of what happens if a store, whether it's something local or maybe a little bit larger, uh, like a chain says yes to putting your product in the store. So what happens after that? So the first step should be doing a little happy dance and popping some champagne because (laughs) you should totally be celebrating. Whether it's your first order and even if they played like placed, um, you know, a handful of units or if it's a big store and you're shipping hundreds or thousands of units, you did it. So start with the celebration. Um, The next piece is getting down to work because it's, do you have the inventory on hand to ship them? Do you have to go out to your manufacturer and have another print run? Um, it's talking with the retail buyer and making sure you are a hundred percent clear on their order parameters because they might place an order with you today and they say, okay, I'm going to write this order, but I don't want it to ship for another month. So you need to make sure that you're staying on top of these dates, that you fulfill it in a timely manner, um, that you're just offering the best customer service and client experience that you can. And then you hit the ground running and do what you got to do to fulfill the order, to get the order packed and ready to ship. And it goes out the door and then you should totally visit the store and look at your products on the shelf and do another happy dance and celebrate again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you mentioned customer service and I know a lot of small businesses who are selling products or services, they're interacting one-on-one with their customers and their clients. So how does that change when you are doing wholesale? So the customer service piece changes a little bit with wholesale because instead of speaking with the end consumer, you're talking to the middleman. So this buyer is buying from you. They might love your product. Personally, maybe it's not for them, but they know it'll sell in their stores. Um, So you're just always looking to cultivate this relationship. So it's following up with them once the order ships and making sure things are there in one piece. 
and everything arrived okay. It's maybe touching base to see how things are selling. Um, if you're around, pop into the store and you're like, hey, I just want to check out my stuff. And oh, I, I grabbed you a coffee. If the person works in the store and you know they're going to be there if they're local. It's really just any way that you can keep touching and keep in communication with this business to foster the relationship that's not, hey, buy more. Right. They'll have those conversations. They'll happen organically. Things will start moving off the shelves and you'll have new releases that you'll want to say, hey, I just wanted to, to send this your way. I've added some new products. Um, you know, you'll find ways to, to touch on it and organically get these, these sales. But a lot of the customer service really is just cultivating that relationship in every way possible, giving them your support, letting them know that, that you're always there to help. If they have a question, answer it. If they have an issue, really stay on top of it because a lot of it comes down to, you know, a lot of people, nobody wants to deal with like the icky stuff, right? Like stuff, we all kind of get that pit in our stomach and we're like, Oh, I don't want to deal with it. You maybe flag it in your inbox and it sits for a day or two, or you don't know what to do. And you're like, I don't know. I got to research it. How businesses handle the bad stuff um, is a huge part of that customer experience and relationships. So you might be dealing with different kinds of issues now. Maybe there's damages or maybe, you know, if they asked you to do something, it it came out a different way or, you know, there's all these little different things that are going to happen, but just love your buyers, love them hard, let them know you're always there for them, be their partner, not, you know, a one-sided I've taken your money and we're done now. Keep, keep the conversation going and be as invested in their business as you are in your own. And they're going to love you, like really love you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's good advice for this, but it goes for anything that you're trying to do when you're fostering relationship, just keep following up, not just as like a sales tactic, but as building a relationship and being friends with somebody because you never know when they're going to come back to you and say, okay, I'm ready to order something else, or I'm ready to work with you again. Um, Because you're staying top of mind, you're a person they know they can count on. Yeah, being top of mind is a big one. I mean, I think, how many times have we had a bad customer service experience, right? And Mm -hmm. those like always stay with you. And even if it could be months down the road, and I know like if I needed something I w- the first thing that would come to my mind would be like not to do business <laughs> with this one person because I had such a horrible experience. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it, you know, the, the experience falls short when it's like, I've collected my money. Uh, the product has been shipped. We're done until this next financial interaction happens. And that's where a lot of custom, uh, product-based businesses will lose customers and their business won't be as successful as when they just take the time to really cultivate those relationships. Yeah, that's good advice. I maybe should have asked this question earlier, but is there anything that a product-based business should have in place or should have reached before they start considering getting into wholesale? Yeah, so knowing the numbers is a biggie. So having your pricing prepared for wholesale is huge because if you try to work the other way and get the orders and then back into the pricing, 
you run the risk of being in a position to have that conversation of like, oh yeah, I know you kind of thought this, but really I have to do this. And it kind of just starts the whole relationship out on an icky foot. Yeah. Um, the other big thing would be having a decent sized skew count. So you don't eat hundreds, but anywhere from like 20 to 30 different skews is a great starting point because it gives buyers enough of a, of an option um, because when you're setting up these wholesale order parameters, you, you're going to have a specific number in place, like order, order minimums for opening orders. You might have to hit say $150 or $200 reorder minimums. You might hit a dollar amount of say 75 to hundred. And then within that, you're going to want to position your business to, so when these orders are coming in, they're placing minimums by SKU. So they might have to do threes of an item or sixes of an item because otherwise you're going to run the risk of having to do all these one-off prints, right? Which right. Can potentially cost you a lot more in the long run. So having enough of an assortment for buyers to put together a buy that's different enough and tailored to their needs, um, I think is really important. And if you're saying, I want to start wholesale, but I've only got like five cards right now, Yes, you might get an order or two, but if there's one of one or two of those prints that doesn't speak to your buyer, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get that order because they're saying, all right, I only like three and your minimums are six of each, but now I'm still under your dollar minimum. And so it almost starts creating these different scenarios that you'd have to work through. Whereas if you have all the SKUs, there's a much bigger pool for people to create their own assortments that are unique to their stores. Right. And it sounds like um, you should probably have some sort of manufacturing that can handle the type of orders and the amount of these orders that could be coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where, um, you know, if you're do, running a handmade business and say you're knitting, I was looking at this the other day because I was cold. It's been in like the 50s in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> but you know those really cool like chunky knit throws? Yes. Yeah. So I've been kind of like obsessing over one since the winter and I've, I've, it popped on my mind again because I was freezing and I was looking at some and say that's a product that you make and a store wants to wholesale it with you. That is going to look very different than if you make a note cards and you can just send those, send those note cards off to a printer. Right. Because the design is already there. So you do want to have, depending on your business, you do want to have reliable manufacturers that you've worked with in the past. So, you know, okay, if I put this order in today, they tell me I can have it in three days, which means I can ship it to the person in a week. Right. And you kind of have some information versus sending it out to a printer, getting it back and say it's a new printer you haven't really worked with before. And the quality is like garbage. And you're like, I can't send this. This printing is horrible. Now, now you have to like start from square one and you're reaching out saying we had an issue and you know, it's really important to have, have a couple of manufacturers in place that, you know, if you got an order today, you can turn around and fulfill it. Okay. Is there anything that I didn't ask about that you wanted to cover or that you think people should know? I will say when it comes to wholesale, it is a whole nother animal and it's not necessarily perfect for every product-based business. Um, because when you're starting to wholesale, especially as a small business, chances are you're like a one-man band and you're doing everything. 
Um, a lot of makers don't love the idea of selling and that's totally okay. You know, you can always hire sales reps and bring on salespeople down the road. But I think as a maker and a product-based business owner, it is important to be really involved in all these facets of your business to understand them on a really, really deep level. Because if you're asking someone to sell products for you, you really should be in those shoes already and have done it and familiar with some of like the requests and the feedback and the hurdles. So when the salesperson is like, oh, I'm having this issue, you're not looking like, wait, I don't understand. Why is this a problem? When you've already been in the shoes, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that happened. It wasn't fun. This is how let's, this is how I want to fix it. Right. Um, so it is, there is a lot of work that goes into it. Um, it takes time to build a wholesale business. Not everybody's going to be an overnight success, but it really is amazing when all the pieces come together, your pricing's on point, you've got your SKU count and you've got stores lining up to get your product. Like there's nothing better. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I would be really excited to go see my product in a store. So yeah, you'd be like, you know, taking selfies and like, I would buy my own. I remember like I picked up samples of something once of a product I had sold just to be like, look at that. I was excited. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's, t- it's hard work. It's different work than selling direct to customer. There's a lot of time involved. Um, but if you really work to set the foundation first, you're going to set yourself up for success. I think the businesses that run into the most kind of struggles are the ones that just went all in without taking time to work through the numbers and do the research and set the foundation. Because as soon as you have to back into things, that's when, you know, that profit is eaten away and all of a sudden you're like giving away money that you didn't anticipate on giving away. Right. Because the, the processes and the systems just weren't in the right place to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple of questions that I ask everybody at the end of the interviews. And the first one is um, how has serving your clients well been so important in your business? Oh, so when I got into this business, I, I kind of got into it, um, by accident. Um, so I spent, you know, I mentioned I spent 10 years in women's accessories and I started hearing, you know, I'm in Facebook groups and I'm hearing about people making these mistakes and there are things that I just learned through being in the industry. And I certainly made mistakes. Some of them were super expensive mistakes (laughs) and they cost a lot of money. And the thing that was different is I had this company behind me. I had them to catch me when I fell. I had management in place that would say, Hey, Carolyn, you're doing this wrong, or you should have done this or help me rectify situations. And if it wasn't for them, you know, who knows what would have happened. So it was really important for me to be able to turn around and say, you know, I've got this experience let me help you learn from the mistakes that I've made and what my decade in this industry has taught me. So you as a small business owner really have a fighting chance to make this a success, you know, because as a small business, you're always hustling. You're always, it all, you know, nine times out of 10, it feels like there's more money going out than there is coming in and making one mistake could mean you have to close your doors or you have to get another job or you have to find another way to, to make up, this money, right? Right. So 
it's so important for me to help these businesses and basically just be their like product-based BFF. It's like, you've got a question, you've got a problem, like let's chat about it because as a product-based business, you have a different view and there are things that you're going to experience that service-based businesses don't necessarily have to go through or deal with, whether it's like sourcing or the excitement that comes with getting the perfect sample that you designed and you're like, Oh my God, it came out better than what was in my head or getting the sample that comes in and you're like, Oh my God, this is so not even close to like what I submitted. I don't understand what's happening here. And the, the feelings and of the, the that roller coaster ride. Um, right. So just being there for my customers to have a resource that's reliable and you're not crowdsourcing this information. You're not sucked into the Google black hole, which we've all gotten sucked into. <laughs> and you're like, is this right? I don't know if it's right. Does it pertain to me? Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying no. Like I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm not going to do anything. So I love that I can help kind of connect the dots and fill in the gaps. So product-based businesses can focus on more of what they love, which is creating and get, you know, their businesses out there and achieve the level of success that they're really dreaming about. Perfect. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. So on the business side, I am a huge fan of Heather Crabtree's The Savvy Community. I'm the leader for Upstate New York. And Savvy is actually where I launched my business. Um, I met my first client there. It's where I've learned to connect in this online space, you know, coming from a corporate wholesale product background. It's very different. Um, you know, being, I think any corporate environment and then transitioning into this online space, it, it's very eye-opening. It is. <laughs> it's totally different. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that I kind of felt like a newbie and I, cause I was, and I needed to relearn and where I had the product based information, things like setting up for a webinar or social media. I'm like, wait, why is this important? I never did it before <laughs> millions of dollars, but it's a totally different mindset. Um, so they've been a resource from the day I launched that I just, I keep going back to and I basically just always shout from the rooftops because I think finding people who get it, whether you do own product-based or service-based business is just so important on this journey because it's not fun to go it alone. And the questions that we have, you know, if I tried to have some of these questions with some of my college friends that are all very corporate, they would probably look at me like I'm crazy. Yes. <laughs> and, but I can have these conversations with friends that I meet over coffee chats and they totally get what I'm talking about. And there's just this camaraderie and this friendship that it grows from that. And I love it. Um, so another thing that I've been super loving lately is this app that helps me plan my meals. <laughs> it basically keeps it, my family being me and my husband fed because in the scope of everything, I can't I have to cook dinner. Like I, you know, my husband goes to office every day and he comes home and I'm like, all right, I work from home. I probably should be able to get food on the table. Um, it, this, it's called plan to eat. And it literally lets you go onto Pinterest or food blogs or anything. And you can download the recipes and then you can drag and drop them into a calendar. So I can plan 
like to the ingredient it'll be like you are using one and a half cloves of garlic this week and I'm like okay that's good to know um and it just helps me streamline that part of my life so when I have to function for my family I can do it with less overwhelm yeah Um, because just being like what are we doing for dinner tonight oh what's in the cabinet oh nothing because I didn't buy anything because I didn't plan in advance like it's helped me you know, eat healthier, really minimize waste. Because for a while I felt like we were just buying stuff. I'd never do anything with it. And then you see it expired and growing things in the back of the refrigerator, which was always fun. And you're like, Oh man, now I wasted $5 on this. And like that adds up really quickly. So that has been my go-to like lifesaver. Um, and I can't get enough of it. I'm like on it every day just to add recipes just because it's fun. So it's like, it's like pinning up on another level. I'm going to have to check that out. I, if I don't meal plan, we are like scrambling to find something to eat. Yeah. And it's the best part is it's not, it's not like a traditional app. It's actually a desktop program that you can then download the shortcut to your smartphone. Um, and I believe they still do. They, they did a month free trial to let you test stuff out and get used to the platform. And then it was something like $30 for the year. But legitimately the best money I have ever spent. (laughs) You know, even on Pinterest, you're like, I'll save this for later. And this looks cool. And you kind of just bank them. This at least imports it. And I'm like, all right, I am going to make that fantastic dessert tonight. And I'll put it on and I'll get the ingredients and I'll actually do it. Instead of being like, what was that thing? I remember I saw it. It's one of my my, like 900 secret boards. I don't know. Um, yeah, totally check it out. It was, it was like life changing. Okay. And I will link that in the show notes as well. So other people can check it out. Yeah. I am obsessed with it. It's awesome. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? What are you working on? So right now I'm actually in the process of finalizing, um, an e-course for perfecting your product pricing. So it takes a little bit of what we talked about and just goes really deep into teaching you like this retail math, like they didn't teach you retail math in high school or college. I mean, it was something that was so new to me and I was so lost for so long. And I had, I was working for people at that point and at least they could sit down and walk me through it. And it's a lot cause it's a different way of thinking. So right. I'm creating this, um, program or this course that's a series of video tutorials and plug and play worksheets. So I'm going to teach you how to do it. And then I'm also going to give you the worksheets, which are kind of like the shortcut. So if you just want to plug those numbers in and get the answer, you'll have, you'll be able to do that. But the reason I'm going into really the learning piece of it is because you're not always going to have those, those worksheets in front of you. If you're at a meeting or if something's going on, you might not be able to just plop the numbers in. You should really understand the, the background information and how we got to these numbers. So it's going to be all wrapped up in a series of videos and worksheets. So it's super easy, broken down. um, So you can perfect your, your perfect your product pricing and take the next step in your wholesale business. That sounds good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like to sit down and figure out numbers, but all of that seems overwhelming. So (laughs) I'm sure that'll be very helpful. Yeah, super overwhelming. And then walking through each of the worksheets and just talking about the why. Like, why is this number coming up the way it is? Right. So 
as you're going, it just enhances the whole overall learning experience. Um, because it's, it's confusing stuff. I mean, even to this day, sometimes I'm like, wait, did I run that formula? Right. Did I use the right formula? Because it's one of those things, like if you don't use it, you'll lose it Mm -hmm. kind of. So you have to constantly be doing it. And so I don't even get to do it day to day every more. It depends on which of my clients are where in their business. And so sometimes I almost need a refresher. So coming from this angle of, you know, here's all the information. And then sometimes if you need a refresher, just go back in and you can learn and get all the answers you need and not feel as overwhelmed um, as you might in the beginning when you're just trying to wrap your head around all the things. Yeah. So if people want to check out your services and learn more about you, where can they find you online? So I am at Wholesale for Creatives, the number four, wholesale number four creatives.com. Um, you can also Google Carolyn Keating. I tend to pop up in the searches pretty quickly, um, Carolyn Keating Wholesale. And there you'll find information about the packages I offer. Um, it's where I'm going to list the courses. I have a small shop right now. Right, the only thing that's currently in it is my terms and conditions um, plug and play template, which is something you want to include in any line sheets or catalogs that you have. Um, the courses will be listed there. And I also have a blog where I share lots of wholesale tips and insights um, on Facebook. I run a community for product-based businesses called the Wholesale Collective, and I run it with myself, um, another friend of mine who owns a stationery company, and another gal who has an apothecary business, and she's also a creative lawyer. So the three of us have kind of teamed up to, again, just have a place for product-based businesses to ask questions and get support, whether it's asking about a manufacturer of, Hey, did anybody have a, a good result from working with X or not so great results? Or, Hey, I need yoga mats. Does anybody have a supplier for that? Or I'm sending out my first wholesale order and I've got a question about X. Um, it's just a place for other product-based businesses to really connect and get answers from one another because we've all been in that starting point. And we've got a lot of people that are either just getting started. They're further along in their business and it's just kind of a cool place to meet other people that do what you do and understand the unique circumstances and the hurdles that you as a product-based business owner might experience. Yeah. And I love that you've created a group that will answer those kind of questions and that this whole industry, we're not all about keeping secrets and everything has to be like guarded and locked away. Yeah. And that was actually, it's funny you mentioned that. That was one of the catalysts for launching this group is because product-based businesses are in other groups asking just pretty generic questions and they weren't getting answers because everybody is so like, I spent all this money to figure it out. And now I'm going to keep all this information under lock and key and hush, hush, super secretive. But there are people out there that are like, I figured it out and I'm happy to tell you about it because I don't want you to go through what I went through. Right. <laughs> like, cause it wasn't fun and it did cost me money and I want to help you. And those are the people that we're looking to, ha- you know, hang out in our community, the givers, the ones that are, it's a, it's a give, give, get situation. They'll get answers to their questions, but they're also willing to share the love and what they've learned. So it might save someone else, some headaches, some money, some time based on where they are in their business. Perfect. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for talking about all of this and covering so much. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I had so much fun. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.